School is right around the corner. And guys, we're still smelling like armpits and body odor. But I have a solution for you. Dr. Squash is giving me a code and I'm giving it right to you. Use the code SFRH9BPW and get $10 off your purchase from Dr. Squash. Dr. Squash, one of the leaders of all natural soaps, is good for your skin and is a highly recommended product from the WDYM. Use the code SFRH9BPW. Again, SFRH9BPW. Get you $10 off your next purchase of Dr. Squash and thank me later. You won't be roaming the hallways smelling like orangutan. Get you some Dr. Squash. Feel like a man and smell like one, too. You're listening to the WDYM, the What Do You Mean podcast. Now everyone gather around and listen to one of Hamilton's best podcasts. No research to back this up. Your host, Michael Gillespie. It's close to that time of the year. It's close to that time of the year where everybody's enjoying themselves when it comes to the sports world. Now, if you listen to WDYM, I don't normally dwell into sports as much. Occasionally, I dabble in it when it involves me. And guess what? This kind of involves me in a way because August 18th is a special day for anybody that is from Hamilton, to say the least. Anybody that is from Hamilton knows and it loves high school football. And quick shout out to the states of California, Texas, Georgia, and Florida uh, that has a good high school following and being traveling the world and seeing how other states do football. I, I must say, Ohio, we have something too. We we definitely love our high school football. We are very territorial when it comes to high school football. And again, August 18th is a prime example of greatest untapped potential Hamilton has. You may ask my you may ask yourself, well, Michael, what do you mean by that? Glad you asked. August 18th, Hamilton plays Baton. Now, you listeners that don't know what I'm talking about, Hamilton is a uh, public school, has a football program, <laughs> and we are mildly successful. And I use that term loosely. On the other hand, we have the mighty Baton Rams. The Baton Rams is is the pinnacle of success. When it comes to, to the success of anything, if you're from Hamilton, you, it's automatically Baton. It's automatically Baton, and most of the people love Baton sports. Again, private school versus public school, it just it doesn't get no better. Now, this rivalry has only been touched. This will be the fifth time we've played. We're going to get into that in another podcast this week as far as the games in the 80s, the games in the 90s, 2000s, and the game that's coming up 2023. We're, we're going to get to that. But first, we're going to tackle history of Hamilton to see where we are as football team collectively from the beginnings in 1891. Yes, you heard me right. 1891 to now. But, without, but, but first, before we start, I have to start the show with the best fight song in high school. Yes, I may be biased when I say that, but... I am biased when I say that. That's the Hamilton High marching band. (laughs) 
like I said, that is the best fight song <laughs> in high school sports. I don't care. I don't care what you say. We all know it's true. Best darn high school song in my mind in Butler County, hands down. Okay. So let's start off with Hamilton and their history. Back late 90s, 1997 to be exact, we had a centennial celebration for Hamilton football, officially starting in 1897 to 1997 now add a couple more years to that so we have approximately 126 years worth of history of big blue football now you you may be like well 126 years but the first game started in 1891 so as of this day hamilton has a 56 percent winning percentage winning 496 games losing 360 29 ties out of 885 games played as of this moment before the 2023 season starts. With football starting 1897 and records not being recorded till 1908, there is a little gap between records, so to speak. Those are, We're going to call those the lost years. But let's start with the first game. The very first game in 1891, Hamilton decided to take on Hughes at the Butler County Fairgrounds, which is still up today. The Fairgrounds hosted the game on Thanksgiving, and Hamilton actually won 16-13. to According to the Daily Democrat, the day was perfect for the game, and the grounds were in good condition. Back then, the Democrat did not release first names. So some of the starters back then were... The likes of Morton, Sheenan, Lewis, Hoven, that's two diff- different people, <laughs> James, Stance, Griffin, Llewellyn, which was one of their star players. Llewellyn that day scored three touchdowns that were worth four points each, while Shoemaker kicked a pair of two-point conversions. Again, Big Blue won that game. So in 1898, Hughes came down to play Hamilton, but Hamilton were supposed to play the Miami University pick team. But for reasons best known to themselves, they let the management of the local team know that they were not coming. The newspaper went on to say Hughes holds the Tri-State High School Championship, having won the honor in a highly contested series of games. It was also said that Hamilton was prepared by taking additional brawn from outside the school using ringers, players who have graduated or were not attending the school. It was a practice common in the early decades of unregulated high school sports. <laughs> The reporter observed it was not a brilliant success from the point of playing or attendance. Neither side showed much skill. At the end of a 25-minute half, the contest was declared a draw without a point being scored. The Hughes team showed considerable practice and did comparatively good work. Where they excelled in practice, they fell off in weight and were not strong enough to make a good showing with the Hamilton players. On the other hand, the writer said the Hamilton team had no practice whatsoever. While all the members of the team played football, they never played together. With their want of concentrated action, their superior strength made it even better battle for the visitors. Small crowd, the writer said, had a depressing effect on the players and it manifested but little interest in their work. The 1898 players were seeking more than moral support. They shared the admission income. There were about 100 spectators there. Each football player was prorated a gate receipt of 30 cents <laughs> by contrast he said in 1891 the game at the fairgrounds netted each player approximately 12 bucks imagine that imagine football back then where points were everywhere and nobody wanted to attend so that's the beginning histories of hamilton football in the late 1800s early 1900s when did hamilton become successful in football it starts with in around 1917, where Dana King 
coached one year, decided to take a break and come back the following year from 1917, skipped 1918, came back in 1919. Dana, Dana King composited a record of 82 and 17. No championships at the time, but again, when it comes to state championships, it gets a little murky when it comes to identifying a championship back in the early 1900s. Arguably, one of the great coaches of Hamilton, 82-17 record, but again, no no declared championships. Later on, we had A.R. Tilton, who came in at 1934 and claimed to have won two championships, 1935 with a 10-0 record, and in 1939 with a 9-0 record. So looking at that, the 1935 team was 10-0, outscoring their opponents 316-9. to Some of their opponents was... Back in 1935, the Automotive Trade, Hartwell, Aquinas, Parcel, Western Hills, Withrow, Springfield, Norwood, Roosevelt, and of course, back then, our our interstate rival was Middletown. 10-0 there, quote-unquote, championship. Fast forward four years later, again, 9-0, beating Aquinas, Purcell, Lima Central, Dover, Hughes, Springfield, Fairview, Toledo Central Catholic and ending the season with Middletown. And they also claim a championship. Now, you hear me saying claim a championship. What does that mean? That means that there was no way to recognize a actual state champion. There was no way for teams to challenge other schools for that. There was also a bias from news reporters where they penalized teams that played, quote unquote, conference schedule. And then some teams could not travel. The terms state champion their quotes but my thing is that if you go 10 and 0 in the 1930s you probably don't even know there's other schools outside outside of your city let alone in your state so they claim the championship and we recognize the championship guess what that my friends is a championship nonetheless A.R. Tilton finished with the overall record of 60-7. and seven. His last year was 1941. That started the, I guess you might call it, the cradle of coaching for Hamilton Big Blue. Because shortly after that, we had another coach come in. And this is, again, one of the, the arguments that historians might have. And this is one argument one couple Hamilton historians have. is like, who's the greatest coach of all time when it comes to Hamilton Football. I mean, you could you, you A.R. Tilson does have a case. Dana King also has a case. But a lot of people, and from what I've collected, thinks uh, Charles Thackeray is one of the greatest coaches of all time, having numerous ranks in state and an overall record of sixty-one, twenty-five, and three. Coach Thackeray composite nine and one records in nineteen forty-seven, nineteen forty-eight, nineteen fifty, fifty-one, and then also in nineteen fifty. Coach Thacker was that boy, right? He was that man right there. A little bit more about Thacker. He came from a school outside of Columbus called Grandview. He had gone to high school there, went to Ohio State, and then got back to coaching at the age of 31. When he came to Hamilton, he was fairly disappointed with the, with the accommodations that they had for the football team. At Grandview, he had a concrete stadium with offices, shower, locker room. Hamilton, you got a field and a locker room. Maybe we'll, maybe with some showers. No, they did have showers. So the facilities that were here in Hamilton were not adequate for him, and he was very disappointed with that. But one thing he wasn't disappointed with 
was the advantage of having the community involved in sports. So many people would attend the game that 11,000 would attend Hamilton High football. 11,000 at the Garfield Athletic Field is virtually impossible. Me, being who I am, I witnessed games at Garfield, and it was a very small field. The thing that, that made Garfield Stadium or Athletic Field so spectacular is that when people could not get tickets, they stood around on the outside of the gate. The night, A night game at Hamilton was a big deal for Hamiltonians. It was a great sports town. On the night of football, city was dead. Lights were out because everybody came to watch the Big Blue play. Thakura claims to have won championships in 48 and 49, which we, he was 9-1. But State says... That uh, Hamilton finished third in state. So that is one of the biggest questions of Hamilton. Like, was, was Thackeray the all-time greatest coach in Hamilton history? Now, me being biased and seeing modern-day football compared to the early 30s and the 50s, I do think Ed Minery does have a certain part, or he's in the conversation as far as if he's one of the greatest. But at this juncture in time, 59 the 59 season, Hamilton's population has caused Hamilton to split. After Thackeray stepped down in 1956, 57, Louis Florio took over for Hamilton High. 1957, 1958, then in 1959, the two schools split. On the east side, you had Garfield High School, home of the Griffins. On the west side, you had the Taft Tigers. So Lewis decided to coach to coach the Garfield Griffins. And from his tenure there, they had success. As far as Taft, Taft struggled mildly. <laughs> Their first season was one and nine. As for Garfield went seven and three. This divide was also racial. The Garfield side was predominantly of black black Americans, while Taft was predominantly white. And that may or may not have an influence on the records. Wasn't there. Wasn't born. So I don't know. But that's the way it seemed. As the split from Taft and Garfield happened, both teams had to use one stadium that was available, the athletic field at Garfield Stadium. With the addition of bleachers, rising bleachers, and a new field, it was capable of having an additional 3,000 people. Uh, And local fans were very pleased with this because back then... (laughs) Back then, fans were used to line up along the field, along the fence to watch the games. The new bleachers on both sides of the field proved the wonderful improvement over the old method of standing alongside the sidelines. Previously, home games have been played in the infield of the of the racetrack at the Butler Fairgrounds. Well, not no more. Later, the home field for Hamilton would also be used by Baden. Hmm, that's interesting. So why Garfield and Taft decided to separate Talent seemed to stay at Garfield. Garfield composited a 98-105-1 record in 20 years of being separated, while Taft went 81-116-2. Louis Florio was the predominant coach of Garfield. He ended his tenure in 1977 as Garfield's coach. During that time, the GMC formed. The GMC formed Greater Miami Conference, for everybody who doesn't know is one of arguably one of the best conferences in uh, the state of Ohio. And I will say that firmly today. 
Um, again, starting with six members of Fairfield, Taft, Garfield, Miamisburg, Middletown, Princeton. Then the following year, Miamisburg went back to my, uh, Montgomery County because they couldn't handle this Butler County football. From there, the GMC was dominated by Princeton. Hands down, Princeton was one of the best football teams in the land. Um, around 1980 is when Lakota wanted to join the GMC. Oh, and Hamilton and Hamilton Garfield, Hamilton Taft became Hamilton again in 1980. Lima Cena joined the GMC, uh, which was approximately 94 miles away in Allen County. Now, let me let me take that for a second. School that is 94 miles away wants to join the GMC. So at this time, it was Fairfield, Hamilton, Lakota, Lima Senior, Middletown, and Princeton. That point in 89-90, two more teams joined, Sycamore and Milford. 97-98, Coleraine joins. Lakota decides to split, goes east and west. Lima Senior exits in 2000, and Oak Hills joins 2007 2008 mason joins the gmc milford leaves for another conference so that is 56 years of gmc football and where do you think hamilton is when it comes to championships how many championships has hamilton won and this brings me to the point of ed minnery ed minnery from 1988 to 2001 has brought the only GMC championships to Hamilton. Let me repeat that. 56 years of football, and Hamilton has two GMC championships under Ed Minery. Now, again, this is, in my opinion, this is the start of modern-day football. And Ed Minery's accomplishments should not go under the radar because, again, this is a different breed of football compared to the 50s and the 30s, respectfully. The likes of Princeton and Middletown and now Coleraine, and to my opinion, is a feat that should not go unnoticed. Three playoff appearances uh, in 1994, 1997, which were GMC championships, and his last year there, 2001. So under that time, that was a great time <laughs> in Hamilton football. His era has produced so many iconic players. Again, if you are a Hamilton historian, you know Ed Minery and his two sons. Ed Minery and the defense. Ed Minery and Mikey Boy Myers. Man, these these teams were great teams. And they had a great chemistry. So what ha- what has happened since Ed Minery has retired and stepped down? As Hamilton coach, we have had seven coaches since 2001. Eh, that that right there hurts. That one, that right there is one of the striking differences from Baton football and Hamilton football. Again, that's the main that's the main point that I'm trying to reach out. Baton football is a different breed than Hamilton football. Since then, we've had since Ed Minery, we've had Eric Gillespie. No relation. 0 and 10. Mark Kaluger, and if I pronounce the last name, I apologize. He went 7 and 23. Jim Place, 16 and 24. Bob Jacoby did have a playoff appearance in 2010. Overall, 14 and 17. Chad Murphy, 14 
and 46. And a side note here, Chad Murphy was the coach of Hamilton, had an overall record of 14-46, goes to Winton Woods and wins the state title. Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> After him was Coach Nate Mahan, a Hamilton graduate himself. Uh, three seasons here, 13 and 17, and now we're back to R.V. Crouch. R.V. Crouch, the current head coach, was an assistant head coach back in the 90s. And his first year was 3-8, and eight, did make the state playoffs. And let me rewind back. Uh, coach Mahan made the playoffs every season he played. But again, this is during the COVID years where everybody gets to, everybody gets to play state playoffs, apparently. Again, uh, R.V. Crouch's first year, 3-8, and eight, made the playoffs. So that's Hamilton football in a nutshell, in a WDYM nutshell so why would someone be excited about a program that wins 50 percent 56 percent of its games because it speaks of hamilton again i love my city i love the fact that i live in this city and i have witnessed some great things the best thing about hamilton football and it's maybe corny and whatever to you was that my I got to spend time with my dad and not not to say that I'm fond you know this is fond memories but this is what got me in the Hamilton we would go every Friday to watch the Big Blue play and he <laughs> some of the things he would get so mad he would get so upset when Hamilton would lose and me too but not to that degree but that's the history of Hamilton there is so much more to this like for example what I'm what I'm missing is that the um, the stadium that we play in now, the Swarm Stadium, that was a donation from a former Hamilton player. Virgil Swarm donated, what did he donate? Over $500,000 to, to contribute to the stadium. And to me, the stadium is beautiful. The field is beautiful. The atmosphere at Hamilton is beautiful. It was built in 1990, 1994, and we've had modifications since there. And to have our own stadium to a point where we're hosting playoff games in Hamilton. It's a glorious thing for me. That's my thing. Hamilton is a hardworking city. We 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 love our football when it's good. Even when it's good, we love our football. But um, we got to test this 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 uh this Friday. We get to play Baton for the fifth time in our shared history of Hamilton, and it's going to be a, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun game because it's Hamilton versus Baton. There's really no more. I need to say about it other than Hamilton and Bain. I'm gonna clue you guys in on how um, this rivalry, that's just un- untapped rivalry that we have with Baton, and hopefully by Friday, after Friday or maybe Saturday morning, that we have another win for the Big Blue. With that being said, the episode's come to an end. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to the history of Hamilton. I do have more to come on, especially the Hamilton Baton part one that's coming up soon. I'm your host, Michael Gillespie of the WDYM. Thank you for tuning in. Peace out, Girl Scout. Peace.